that you have never stopped working in our lives. You have never stopped working in Shine's life. And we say thank you, Lord, that you are given an anointing over her life, that she might recognize that you are with her and you have been with her and you are with her always. Lord, we pray for that fresh wind, that fresh anointing over our church right now. And we love you, Lord, and we pray to step into this space with you through your strength and with your courage. We pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, team. Good evening, everyone. Whoop. Hello. How are you all going tonight? My, my name is Maddie. If uh, there's a few people here that I've not met before, so I'm part of the team here at Wynnum Baptist, um, and I'm going to be sharing a, a little bit of a message tonight from God's Word. Um, so I know we've just prayed, but if you can indulge me, I would just I would just love to say a quick prayer again as we turn our eyes towards towards the Bible, towards God's Word. So, Lord, we can hear that rain, and we hear that thunder. And Lord, we pray that your spirit would reign in this place now, just like the weather is outside. Lord, we pray that even though there's cracks of thunder, there might be lightning. I had a terrible feeling we're going to lose power in here tonight. Lord, whatever it might be, would you help us to keep our eyes fixed on you? Because we could have a 10-piece band, a room three times as big as this, or we could just be surrounded by your presence with a Bible and a candle and it would be just as beautiful and just as good. And so we want to thank you for your word and we pray now that as we come to look at it that you would teach us and you would grow us. Help me to speak so faithfully, God, to what you want to share tonight. Open our ears to hear what you're saying. Holy Spirit, we know that we need your help to do that. So... Rain in here again, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. It was, it was so beautiful to be able to witness, uh, witness that baptism tonight. Because one of the, the best things that I, I love about baptisms is that they're not, they're not a marker of having it all figured out. They're not a marker of being perfect or, you know, having, having made it in the sense of being a Christian. They are actually a marker of a beginning of a journey. Tonight, Shine said that that she's decided to follow Jesus and that means that she will continue to do that every single day now for the rest of her life. And that ties in so beautifully with the passage that we're looking at here tonight. We have been doing a series at our night service in the book of Philippians And we're continuing on tonight in chapter 3, verse 12 to 16. So the book of Philippians was written to a church in the city of Philippi, which was about 2,000 years ago. And the guy writing to them, his name is Paul. He was a leader in the early church. He had a super soft spot in his heart for this church in Philippi particularly. Throughout the letter that he writes them, there's so much affection there and love and he's encouraging them, he's convicting them, he's doing everything he can to help them to grow, to be healthier Christians, to be a healthier church. And so we have been seeing what lessons we can learn from that here today in in our world. And as I said, this passage is is so wonderfully exemplified and complemented by a baptism tonight because this passage is all about understanding that we are 
imperfect as Christians, as long as we live on this earth, that we are incomplete in a sense, but that we're on a journey towards one day being made complete by God. We have this beautiful destination as Christians, but so much of our faith is about the road we're on right now. It's kind of like moving to a new major city, but you take this beautiful road trip to get there and you stop and you see all the sights and you learn along the way. You've always got the destination in mind, but there's this beautiful experience in in getting there. And to get into this passage tonight for all it's worth, I wanted us to dip a little bit into the verses that we spoke about last time, which was a few weeks ago now after floods and podcasts and, and all of the rest of it. Um, The passage is up on the screen and I will be reading from the NLT version tonight for anyone who might have a Bible with a different version. It'll be a little different in the wording, but I thought the NLT really um, just captured the message of this passage really beautifully. So we're going to start in verse 8 tonight and work our way up to verse 12, which is where we're actually going to be living tonight. So this is Paul saying that everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved all these things or that I've already achieved perfection. So in verse 12, where our passage begins tonight, Paul is trying to make it really clear. He's saying, I am not the perfect Christian. I have not achieved everything on the list of things that Christians can achieve. I haven't ticked all the boxes. Yes, I have the righteousness of Christ, but I I still sin. I still mess up. Yes, I have salvation, but I haven't been resurrected. I don't have, I'm not living in the reality of my eternal body, my eternal life just yet. And what Paul is tapping into here is something that's going to help us to understand this passage tonight. It's something that all of the very clever scholars call now and not yet theology. Now and not yet theology. Some of you might have heard of this before. It's this idea that in the Christian life, we kind of live with these two different realities always playing on each other in tension. In the now, those who believe in Jesus get huge blessings, right? We, we do get salvation, the knowledge that we will get to live for eternity with our God. And that brings us joy today. It brings us strength and it brings us peace. In the now, we get to know God as our friend and as our Lord. Shine spoke so beautifully about that tonight. In the now, our character, our personality, our behaviour, it does change when we live on this earth and follow Jesus. It's still a but, right? We still have bad days. We still screw up. We still get cynical. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. And that's because there's all these other blessings as part of the Christian life that have not come yet. When Jesus returns or when we leave this earth, that's when we get to be fully transformed into someone without sin, where this world gets to be redeemed, where there's no suffering, there's no shame. 
That's when we get to know God completely and unhindered. There's now and there's not yet. And over all of history, as long as the church has been around, there have been Christians that think, nope, as soon as I believe in Jesus, I've got it all. There's no line, there's no distinction. All the way back in Paul and the church in Philippi's day and even today as well. But the reality is, is that we do have forgiveness. We do have love. We do have the power of the Holy Spirit to see miracles and blessings in our life. But we are still all on this journey of learning to love God deeper and follow him better. We won't be 100% ourselves. We won't be exactly who God designed us to be until we meet Jesus again face to face. Paul is saying in this passage that no Christian on this earth is perfect. Not someone who's just come out of the waters of baptism, not a 99-year-old pastor. We've all got a ways to go. So as Christians, we have to acknowledge that we are incomplete, we're imperfect, but we are running on this kind of marathon race towards heaven, towards Jesus, towards being complete like our lives depend on it. If we read into the next few verses, so this is verses 12 to 14, Paul says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I am not an athletic person, not even a little bit. If you mention a team sport or a race or even like a mildly competitive board game, I am out of here, through the door. But my poor father, who has two daughters, a musician and an artist, is a very keen athlete. He was sports captain in high school, a keen footballer. He's always watching sport and completely in vain, he would give us both advice when we were younger uh, to help us grow in our athleticism. And what I always remember is he would tell me, Mad, don't ever get distracted and look, look side to side in a race. If you're swimming 100 metre freestyle, you know, don't, don't try to get up out of the water and see if there's anyone on either side of you in a different lane. Or if you're running a 100 metre sprint, don't start turning your head. Now, that advice didn't really matter to me because if I was forced to run a sprint, I was at the back. So I could see that everyone was in front of me. But I understand the principle that that distracts you, right? It kind of slows you down. You haven't got your eyes on the prize. And Paul is is sharing kind of a similar sentiment here when it comes to this marathon journey that we're on in the Christian life. He's telling the church in Philippi, press on, look forward to what's ahead. He doesn't want them to think that himself or any other Christian should stop striving to know God deeper and follow him more faithfully. In the ancient world, whether it was the like Olympic Games or some other kind of athletic competition, when, when all was said and done and there was a champion, sometimes the emperor himself would come out and call the champion forward to award him with his prize. And Paul is using that idea here, but instead of talking about the emperor calling forward an athlete to get a, a medal or some money or whatever it might have been, he's making it clear that for Christians it's Jesus 
who is the Lord above any emperor, any earthly power, is the one calling his followers forward to receive a gift that is so much more precious than any other earthly honour. Because the thing is, is that we may have a long way left to run in the Christian life, But that prize, what awaits us on the other side, it compels us forward and it drives us. Paul says that as we press on in our lives as disciples, we run towards the the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. This is the not yet. Glorious blessing that awaits us. Eternal peace eternal joy in heaven with our Lord. And not only is it that that the beauty of what's coming sort of motivates us forward, but keeping our eyes fixed on that future reality, it changes us in the now. Just like if we've got a really exciting trip planned for a few months' time, we'll forego spending a bit of money so that we can save it for the future. Just like people who have a wedding coming up get really obsessed about pre-wedding diets so that they're all ready for their big photo shoot or the promise of a career or a degree means that we trade hours of freedom for textbooks and laptops. When our whole life purpose aims towards something, it'll inevitably change the way we live in the in-between, in the day-to-day. When Jesus Christ, captures our heart, when he becomes our saviour and our friend, our lives are changed irrevocably forever. If you are here tonight and if you you know Jesus but you you feel like you haven't seen parts of your life changed or, or challenged, I promise you there is so much more beauty in store. It doesn't matter how much we change in this lifetime though. As long as we're here in this earth, we still won't make it to perfection but we will find ourselves on this beautiful journey, running as passionately as we can towards him, living our lives for his glory. So Christians who have a good grasp on this whole faith, Christian life thing, know that they're not perfect and they continue to grow as Christians in humility. In verses 15 to 16, Paul goes on to say, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. And if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Paul is making a little bit of a point here because, as I mentioned earlier, there were some churches in other cities around that had really bought into this whole, if I'm a Christian, then I'm perfect kind of idea. And we don't know if the church in Philippi was struggling with this and he's trying to correct them too or if he's just trying to stop that misconception taking seed in the church and coming to grow into something worse. But he is making it really clear. What he's saying is those who are mature in the faith will know that they are not perfect, complete Christians. And if any of you are falling into the trap of thinking otherwise, God is going to convict you and help you to see that all Christians have days on this earth where they will fail and fumble. And what's so important to draw out of this point here is that the Christian life has to be marked with humility. Knowing that complete moral perfection for us in this life is unattainable, but doing everything we can to live for others, 
to be teachable, to be trainable. That's what's key. See, if we live our life walking around consumed by arrogance, thinking we've got it all figured out, it's never going to serve us well. It makes us difficult employees. It makes us really terrible friends or partners, spouses. It makes us really insufferable teammates. And it makes us really bad disciples of Jesus. Because a disciple is someone who is learning a way of life. It's in the very nature of being a Christian to be someone who's always learning, always willing to grow. And this, this learning and this growing is all, also about making sure that we don't fall into old habits or even letting past successes make us complacent. He finishes this passage here by saying that we must hold on to the progress that we've already made. Paul's made it so clear that he knows Christians can't be perfect, but he wants to make sure that that this church, and we can learn today too, that we should do everything possible not to repeat old mistakes or get lazy when times are good. This looks different for everyone. Paul, this leader in the early church, he had begun when we meet him as a persecuting, murderous, extremist leader. And when he met Jesus, he became one of the most incredible and successful evangelists and leaders and church planners that history has seen. But he takes all of that and says, I'm going to keep pressing on. I don't want to go back to old ways. I don't want to fall behind, but I just need to carry on and keep moving forward. For us, that kind of progress can look like kicking a sin, a bad habit in our lives that doesn't serve us, that doesn't serve our walk with God. It means not letting a track record of doing all the things that that look right as a Christian and making us lazy in our walk with God. We have to hold on to all the progress that we've made in our faith and carry on. And again, this doesn't mean that we don't have bad days and make mistakes, but the point is, is that the heart of the Christian walk is to always be a little bit further down the road than we were yesterday or last week or a year ago. So what do, we, what do we do with what this passage is saying to us? This truth that the Christian life is a journey, that it's filled with blessings, but that it's incomplete until the day that we leave this earth or Jesus comes for us. I think there's a few camps that we can fall in. There's a possibility here tonight that maybe you, maybe you don't know God. Maybe you've never learned much about him or you just don't think that, that that's the thing for you. Maybe it's that you don't think that you're good enough or that to be a Christian you have to be perfect. I really hope that this passage tonight has shown that that's not what God thinks. That's not what the church thinks. You might be here tonight convicted that you've kind of been tempted to think that maybe you have this whole Christian thing kind of figured out. You've got it down. You might not have said that you're perfect. That might be the word that comes out of your mouth, but maybe, maybe your heart's begun to become postured towards pride. I hope that with a deeper look at this passage, you've seen that that is the wrong way to go. This walk is about dependence on God. It's about humility. It's about growth. And we have a gracious God who does make it plain to us, like Paul said, when we think that we've got it all down pat, God has such a gentle and beautiful way of pulling us back and going, "Mm -mm. 
You need me. You need the church. Rest in who I am. But as I I prepared for this message, there was a third possibility of ways that this passage applies that really jumped out to me and I I really felt like there were people in this room that this, this might really apply to you. You are the people that would never in a million years call yourself perfect. You know Jesus, you love him, but you feel so aware of your brokenness. You feel crippled by a sense of inadequacy, tired of feeling like you're never patient enough or loving enough, generous enough. I felt like there might be some people in the room tonight who feel that way. You would never say that you're perfect, but you put yourself under this crazy pressure because you think you need to be. Maybe because you look at other Christians around you and you think that that's what they are. The amount of access we have to these incredible Christian teachers all over the world today online that just make us look like we've got absolutely nothing figured out. It can be really tempting. This this scripture reminds us that God doesn't call us to be perfect, complete never-failing Christians. Our standard is Jesus. His character, his person, his love, that's who we're aiming for. And we will never live up to it in this life. We are reminded here tonight that while we are blessed, we are saved, we are held by God, we're not done yet. We're still on the road. And God does not expect you to be the impossible Christian. He expects you to wake up every day and run with your eyes fixed towards heaven. He expects you to grow a little in every single season, not to get complacent or lazy. If you've been the kind of Christian that is so hard on yourself that you've been missing out on the joy and freedom of the Christian life, I think God really just wants to take that off your shoulders a little bit tonight. He loves every single person in this room. God loves you. He wants your growth. He wants your good. He wants us to let go of things in our life that don't serve that. He does not sit up on high every day condemning you, constantly searching for the thing you're doing wrong. God longs for us to flourish in all of our messy incompleteness until the day where we flourish with him, finally whole and finally complete. Until then, we just need to run the race, set our eyes ahead, grow with joy and and live in grace. I want to pray for us now and and invite the team back up. Um, But I just want to give a moment before I I pray just, just to sit and just to reflect on this passage, reflect with God. Have you given yourself a standard in life that is unreasonable, unreasonable? Have you avoided God for fear of feeling like you need to be perfect, whatever it might be? His arms are open. They're so approachable. They're so loving. And so after just a little moment's silence, I'm going to pray for us and then we'll worship together.
Lord, we thank you so much for the words of Paul. The words of Paul that remind us that the Christian life is is often long and winding and beautiful. Thank you for the reminder, Lord, that you, you do not expect us to be perfect. That is the whole point of grace. We needed a gift of forgiveness. We needed a gift of hope. And that's something that we carry every day on the journey, every day when we fail. It's something that strengthens us for the moments when we, when we win, when we live in the light and we live in the joy as well. So God, would you just, would you just adjust our expectations tonight a little Help us to remember that we are just to chase after you. We're just to do the best we can to love you and to love others, to learn and to grow. That there isn't shame in learning, there isn't shame in mistakes. As long as we come to you and we're willing to grow through it all. We have not attained perfection, not even close. But we press on, Lord. We press on to all that you have in store now and in the not yet. So Lord, could we just lean into you in this journey, letting ourselves live for Christ every day, free and loved until the day when we are perfectly whole again. We thank you for that promise. And we just, we run towards it. We run towards it because it's so worthy. Thank you, Lord, that you hear us. Thank you that we can always come to you, whether it's for the first time, the hundredth time, the millionth time, Lord. When we start to talk to you, you are there and you talk back. And that is one of the most beautiful and wonderful mysteries that we will ever experience on this earth. So we just want to come and worship you now. Fill us up, Lord. Fill us up so that when we leave this place to keep on running, that we are filled with joy from you. We thank you. We praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.